Smart Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. Education Conversations. Let's welcome our first A-team guest, Michael Mesa, who's a PhD candidate at the Faculty of Education in Canada, Simon Fraser University, as we talk about can machines personalize education or only is it something only human beings can do? Michael, thank you very much for joining us and uh, good evening from this side of South Africa. Well, good evening to you, Patricia. It's a pleasure to be here. Look, uh, we were looking at your uh, at your article around uh, what um, COVID nineteen has done across the globe, abruptly changing the way schooling is uh, delivered and education is delivered. And it seems that there's there's a lot that we can learn, but we should also be bracing ourselves for a, a new future. Could you talk to us about um, you know some of the concerns around um, online learning and tech platforms for teaching? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, you know, I've been an educator for around 30 years, and uh, I I started experimenting with online learning um, back in the 1990s. So I was consider myself a pioneer, and you know it was uh, it was very challenging back then. It can can continues to be challenging today. So 25 years since really the internet got kickstarted, um, it, it's still it's still a challenging enterprise. And in the realm of education, um, you know, there's there's been a certainly a tremendous surge, a lot of interest in moving education online, especially because of COVID-19. And many people are grateful for uh, the, the technology option that wasn't there, you know, 25, 30 years ago, for sure. Um, but I would say that uh, educators and students and parents have a lot of reason to be concerned about the kinds of ways that technology is, is being used uh, in education. Uh, talk to us about some of these concerns. I mean, uh, uh, here in South Africa, I know one of the major concerns is definitely the fact that our infrastructure is not up to par to ensure that we are able to learn online consistently without interruptions. And another concern is that of the cost of data in South Africa. Sure, sure. Look, it, tell you the truth, there's a long list of concerns and access is is one of them. Um, this has... Uh, the, COVID has clearly precipitated a, a cultural and social divide between haves and have-nots. Who has access to technology and and uh, internet access is, you know, one of them. But I think it 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 goes back to what is what are some of the guiding principles behind any kind of education and technology is as I stated in in that article in the conversation is uh it, it, you know it it's immoral by nature and um. It, it depends on how we utilize it. Uh, if it is utilized for standardized approaches, which is often a you know a very common choice, and just for technological rationalization, uh, then the, the the human being, whether it's a it's a child of six years old or sixteen year old or a sixty year old, is often left out in the cold. You know we are we're discounted and uh and and i find that i find that very troubling
Now, with the, where we are moving, it is very clear that uh, the fourth industrial revolution requires for us uh, to be tech savvy. And uh, I mean, the ball is rolling. There isn't much uh, uh, time for those who are left behind to stay behind. What can the education sphere do to ensure that no one is left behind, especially those between uh, kindergarten, which is um, a prim- uh, a crescia, to grade 12? Well, um, Patricia, truly, that's a that's a daunting question. Um, how can edu- education ensure? Uh, I, I think that educators would say that's not necessarily our role to determine, to to try to balance um, social inequities, but we can try, and so we can lobby for technological solutions that serve education goals. And the goals uh, that are, that are determined um, after much conversation and discussion amongst individuals, amongst students themselves, amongst parents, amongst administrators, and lastly, the technocrats should be brought in to control and run education. So I think it depends on the goals of education should dictate the direction of education. And uh, and I think that uh, let the, the the chips fall where they may. It may be the case that people don't need as much technolo- technologization in their education as we have been told by some of the groups and organizations and corporations. Face it, that are deeply uh, have deep interests in advancing their own agendas. A-teamers, we are talking uh, to Michael Mesa, who's a PhD candidate at the Faculty of Education in Canada's Simon Fraser University. Please do join in on the conversation. Do you feel that um, with where we are going with technology as uh, as South Africans, that we might end up losing um, brain power or manpower in terms of uh, teachers? Because all we'll need is enough data, is enough uh, uh, connectivity. And um, Bob's your uncle. your child will learn. Do you feel that there will come a time in this country that we won't need teachers? Hmm. Oh, what a scary thought. But uh, I'd like to hear from you as an A-teamer. Call in 011-714-2006. Perhaps you are a parent and you have been experiencing some challenges or some wins since this uh, uh, dawn of online learning has, uh, you know, risen upon us. You can also WhatsApp your uh, experience on 0614-104-107. Michael, in your article, you you talk about some of the... um, you know, resources that you've looked at, like Nell Noddings and uh, Ursula Franklin. Could you share some of these findings with us? Uh, sure, happy to. Um, you know, I've, I've basically been a been a scholar in sort of this area of of, of personalized learning uh, for many years, and s- educators um, and researchers like uh, um, Nell Noddings. Uh, she is she has deep she has a deep orientation to ethicality and ethical approaches to learning and and uh, I was very impressed I saw her many years ago and uh, um, and, and reading her work I, I was so impressed when she talked about the importance of confirming uh, a student in, in front of you in a, as an educator and really really seeing that person for who they are. And where they're at, and uh, Ursula Franklin is a, was a, a physicist, a, 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 you know, deeply embedded in technology studies, 
uh, and uh, this is the late Ursula Franklin. Um, she's, she was a, a high, highly awarded scholar in Canada, and she she wrote that technologies are are not you know they're they're not all of the same stripe. They don't come out of the same box, and particularly depending on again how how we utilize them. But some technologies are created, and they have far more capacity to control us. And those are the technologies she identified as prescriptive technologies. And there are other technologies, uh, again, technologies created by humans, and they are more holistic in nature because of the way they have been created. And they enable um, individuals to to have a voice, to to be recognized and acknowledged in the technosphere, whereas prescriptive technologies uh, you know, don't pass that test. Um, I, I dare say that it is the some of the insights are similar to a concept that I've read about is related to South African culture, particularly that of the Ubuntu culture and the nature of sawabona. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, I may, may may be off base, but um, it 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 is is it not a an orientation to truly see somebody yes. and I see something really validating in that. Mm, most definitely. I mean, uh, those uh, sort of uh, technology platforms would be the likes of uh, Zoom, perhaps, and, uh, you know, Microsoft uh, Office and, and, and the likes. Um, but sure, it, it, it would still take away a bit because I, I'll give you a personal experience. So on Tuesdays at Afternoons, I attend lectures via Zoom uh, at a, a university here. And today, from 3 a.m. in the morning in my area, there was a technical problem. So the city um, of Johannesburg um, sent out a notice that there's an issue and technicians are on it. That problem occurred until half past six. So we had no n- no power. And then at 8 o'clock, so we had power from half past 6, but at 8 o'clock we were load shedded. So, yes, they are better because you can have that one-on-one engagement between educator and, and, and student. But the concern comes in when the infrastructure in a country such as ours and in other developing countries is so uh, poor that you don't even know whether you'll be able to attend your next lecture or not. So is there any way that we this can be circumvented? Because yeah, like literally today I lost out on two, three hours of, 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 of uh, lectures and to catch up, <laughs> it's going to be a mission. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, it, 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 Patricia, maybe, you know, we, we've created quite a, quite a challenge for ourselves, quite a Pandora's box with the technologies that appear to be uh, <clears throat> running the world, so to speak. Uh, you know, when the power goes out, um, you know, because of, uh, say, bunch of magpies landing on the wires as has happened not so long ago in South Korea causing a massive massive power outage um, you know we we should we should pause and and try to determine is is it really to what extent is it serving our needs to be so reliant on this one seemingly ever narrower portal of something as important as education and uh, you know, I think that the the if if we if we are so reliant on it, we are at risk of you know being disappointed and also you know being being left out in the cold. So 
depending on the educational goals, as I mentioned earlier, I think that it might be the case that, well, we can get by just fine without without the technologization, which is often a, um, a very much a conforming um, way of, of education proceeding. You know, I've also been involved for many years in, in you know, homeschooling movements. And homeschooling takes many, many different flavors. And sometimes it's relying on the internet. And sometimes it's about a child having a magnifying glass and going uh, to their ditch or a local pond or the beach and just um, being supported in learning. I mean, learning is, is not, learning takes place whether the technology is in place or not. Learning arises whether technology is there or not. We've, we, we are learning beings and learning can be supported without really complicated, sophisticated technologies as well. So uh, it, it depends on you know what what a, what a culture or what a a region, um, what a family might decide for themselves is important. And uh, and I think we should always check our assumptions about you know when someone else is telling us it's really really important that you get your grade eleven you know math scores or or uh, you need this in order to to to, to be a to be successful in life. I think there's there's lots of roads to roam. Lots of roads to roam indeed. Let me go to one of our listeners, Atima Anonymous. Good evening. Good evening to you. I just called to say how much I love you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, All right, Anonymous. I think you're okay. going to get the award for Wooden Mike, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I called to say, um, uh, you know, um, it's fine to have electronic devices. It makes life easy. But the problem is when you don't have electricity for days, some people don't have for days, some people have for a couple of hours, but some people don't have electricity for days. And you know the new phones that they offer me every day, why don't, I've got an antique phone. I've got a phone for, from the time I've installed it for over 30, 40 years. So they tell me, why don't you put the new phone? The new phone is better. I said, no, the new phone is not better because that one you've got to charge it 24-7 because it doesn't have backup. And when you use your cell phone, you've got all the facilities on your cell phone. When you use that little gadget, but you, but you make a few calls or you just do a, little, a few items on it, uh, work on it, and there's no power. It's out. Uh, you have to recharge. You've got to charge and charge and charge. And if you don't have power, how do you do it? So I like Electra. I like to ask Electra questions because I can exercise my brain. To work with too many electronic devices, your brain becomes dead. You, you cannot think. You cannot answer questions. You, you cannot think quick as you can think naturally. Mm. Thank you, you for know. your input, Anonymous. Um, Thank you. Uh, Michael, do, do, you, do you share the same sentiments as Anonymous who says with too many uh, technology devices at your disposal, it, it hinders your capacity to think? Um, well, well, just before I get to that, I, I want to recognize that, that, that the song, the, the Stevie Wonder song that, that she was referencing and that you were playing um, before I came on, um, I, re- I really enjoy and value that, and I just want to ask: When's the last time a machine phoned you up to say "I love you"? You know, not not so. I bet that wasn't very recent. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. but to your question, Patricia, look, gadgetry is uh, has reached epidemic proportions in 
uh, in, in the world, and there's no end to marketing uh, avenues and, and pitches to try to get us to buy this or buy that. And that is at the root of, of so much of it. And we need to be aware of how we are being influenced, how we are being, uh, how our attention is being manipulated. And that's the point of one of the other references in my article that Dr. Ian McGilchrist, a Scottish neuroscientist, who is studying how does all this gadgetry um, grab our attention, particularly video gaming, but it's it's not it's also show, social media for sure, um, and, and 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 occupy our attention. And we're not we're not we're not good multitaskers. We can't perform two tasks very efficiently at the same time. So if we're paying all of our attention to upgrading our phone or reprogramming phone or or chatting, sending a text to somebody or or trying to get back online of something that we'd been shut out of, um, that time's gone basically. And and that that's a loss. I think that there's there's a net uh, there there can be a net loss in how we live our precious lives if we're preoccupied with gadgetry. And I can't I, don't, I can't think of a way to say that any more simpler than than that. Now, in terms of uh, the, the the future for educators, do you feel that we'll get to a point where technology is going to literally take over the job of educators and uh, start teaching um, as opposed to having a physical educator there? Well, educators and families and, uh, you know, people, citizenry needs to be alert to that, need to, need to identify where is that arising? And it is arising. There are all kinds of um, uh, instances where uh, technologies are, are showing up, especially with the help of artificial intelligence these days, and in being inserted into what was previously a person-to-person interaction um, and uh, we need to question: Is is that effective? Um, is is it? Uh, does it apply um, broadly to people, or is it should should it just be applied in certain situations? Um, I'm I'm aware of uh, examples where I, I find it really fascinating t- to know that um, artificial AI bots, as they're known, artificial intelligence robots, are being programmed for all kinds of um, social media messaging these days, and that includes responding in crises, responding on like over here, it's a nine one one calls, and and often people will call, and they won't be connected with a person; they'll be connected with an AI bot, and that bot will be scanning automatically for keywords and attempting to respond, um, and some therapists and psych and, and medical practitioners uh, say it's this this is doing a, a, a helpful job um, that there's there's evidence of some success some achievement where people are uh, you know however they might determine success in that situation somebody phones in in crisis and they are interacting not with a person a caregiver um, but uh, an AI bot I think that's pretty interesting and worth exploring worth unpacking a little deeper but I, as I said, I think every instance where it's known to be arising in schools, interactions with uh, children and young people, and 
Pe- people of all ages, students of all ages, think we want to question it. We want to know more about it. We want tra- transparency in how it's being applied, how the data is being collected, what use is that data being put to, and uh, and also determining for ourselves is that a valid uh, is it worthwhile and you know is it is it achieving something that that we might uh, you know approve of mm. michael thank you so very much uh, for unpacking this but uh, it would be lovely to have you on again to just speak more about uh, these bolts and, uh, and 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 how far things could go and the ethics of it so if you can avail your time again we'd appreciate Patricia, be my pleasure, and I've enjoyed speaking with you this evening in South Africa. It's afternoon here in Beast, British Columbia, Canada, where I am, but uh, I'd be happy to come back and speak further about this anytime. So Excellent. Best wishes to you. Thank you very much. That was uh, Michael Mesa, who's a PhD candidate at the Faculty of Education and uh, Simon Fraser University in Canada. A-teamers, let's take a bit of a musical interlude and we'll be back talking about more educational um, uh, information. But on this side, there's... Um, there's a foundation called Good Work Foundation, and they are uplifting rural African um, settings. And we'll hear more about what they do and how they do it.